Friends, welcome to this week's edition of In-Depth with Beth and Seth, your absolute favorite podcast from Plymouth Congregational Church in Minneapolis. We are number one on the charts at this church right now. Did you know that, Beth? We are number one here. That is good news to hear, We are the best podcast in this church right now. Excellent. Yes. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take being number one for something. Yeah. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am your Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater. And as always, I am joined by my friend and colleague, Beth Hoffman Faith, who has a title of your own. What is it? Tell me, how are you, Beth? I am always glad to be doing this with you, Seth. And my title is Minister for Congregational Care and Worship. Lots of words there. Very important ministries in that title. I'm looking forward to talking to you about this sermon from Sunday morning, October 24th. Our colleague Dwayne preached this. It's called Binding Everything Together. And this is part of our continuing to be part of our Command to Preach series in which he received this Colossians 3, 12 through 16 from Hope Esperlini, who submitted this and he pulled it out of the collection plate that we use to pull these things out of. <laughs> so Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. These yeah, what words, is it? These words are so important. And I'll, I'll just preface this by saying this is one of my favorite scripture passages. I have a lot of favorites, but this is in, in the list. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. Amen. I can see why that's one of your favorites. (laughs) Oh, could we just do this, Seth? If we just, if we just did this, this, if we just followed this one passage of scripture, the world would be a radically different place. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I mean, what if, I, what if I don't want to? I know. It's what hard. if I just want you to do it, but I don't want to do it? <laughs> well, and that's why it doesn't work. It doesn't work unless we're kind of all in within community. So something uh, before we talk too much about this, I I do want to bring up, and this is part of our getting behind the text a little bit. And Dwayne brings this up too. He talks about how this, how the letters in the New Testament are often attributed to Paul, Paul's letter to. And, but scholars often will argue with that, even though in it, it says, hey, I'm Paul, I'm writing you a letter. They will often talk about how it is not Paul, but Pauline meaning somebody is writing either in the name of Paul or pretending to be Paul or just from the group of people. Paul did not act alone. He had a crew. He had a group of people. So he may not have written this letter. One of his companions did. And they can tell this by way of style. Like there's certain letters that are known to be written by Paul. 
And then the other ones have a slightly different style. People write things differently. They'll choose different words that indicate that it's a different person writing. And so Dwayne rightfully points out that we don't know who this is writing as Paul. It could be a man, a woman. It could be somebody close to Paul. It could be somebody who had nothing to do with Paul, but was aware of the work and was communicating with this church in Colossus. Seth, why is authorship important? Why is it significant to lift that up? Partially because in the common way of saying things, it is written by Paul. And so it gives it a certain amount of validity when we say something is written by Paul, that instigator and the creator of these churches around the Mediterranean. We might give it a certain value with that authorship. And I don't think it changes the value or the validity, but it is important to know that this might not have been Paul writing it. And so if it differs in its message from some of the other letters, that could be why it it might explain some contradictions. But in the end, it is still written almost likely from this group of people with Paul who were communicating. So that's why they call it Pauline, Paul-like, Paulish. Thank you for that. I It just, it reminds me, I was such a naive 22-year-old when I went to seminary right after college, having taken one religion class in my undergraduate time. So my whole perspective of biblical studies got sort of blown out of the water. Yeah. And I remember really, really having to grapple with this notion, which now seems kind of ridiculously simple to me now. But again, as a 22 year old, my world was rocked to know that a man named Matthew didn't write the gospel of Matthew. Right. Nobody named Luke Luke. wrote, wrote this thing. There's nobody named Mark. I right. Mean, somebody named Mark, but. And so I think it is important that we do look at the biblical works as, you know, it's certainly it's not in one voice, many different authors, many different editors. Uh, what we read now is greatly redacted from the original version. And then translated time and time again. Right. I have a lot of fun actually comparing different translations. And sometimes one word will will completely change the context for mm-hmm. me. It's also important to remember with these letters that we only have one side of the correspondence. It is almost certain that this letter that we have is in response to a letter that Paul or Paul's group received from this church. But we don't know what they were asking. Mm-hmm. We can infer by their answers, but we don't know what their questions were. We don't know what, what the dialogue is. We're only hearing one part of the conversation. And then we don't know what that church then responds to this when this beautiful thing that you're saying that you read a little while ago, we don't know how that church responded and said, yeah, but how, or (laughs) all the time, like, do you mean us? We don't know what that part is. We just know this very beautiful, direct one-sided correspondence. Right. And And we hold, we hang a lot of meaning on that. Indeed. But now we can say, Let's take this as if it's being written to us, to our community, to Plymouth's community. And here we have these sort of gorgeous words that gives really direct instruction on how to be in relationship with one another. I mean, I don't know how you can argue with words like compassion and kindness, humility, patience. I just wish we were better at doing it. So then the question is, do you think we're not? I mean, sermons are sometimes preached to reinforce what we're doing and sometimes to try to recalibrate our way of doing it. What do you think this one is for our current Plymouth community? Again, I I appreciate Duane's message, 
he kind of boils all these words and lovely directions into this is what love looks like. This is what we need to do. We need to love each other. And this is not a new message from Duane. This is a theme of his, you know, that he comes back to that word love a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think that in many ways, Plymouth loves one another and loves the wider community well. I also think there are places and spaces in our community where these words, these Pauline words are a little bit lost right now. This is our community. So I'm, I don't think this is, it's not an uncommon situation for any kind of covenanted community. There are places in which what we would hope for doesn't always happen, but within our community, I would love to hear from our listeners where they see this text really living at Plymouth right now and where they've noticed that we're not living into these words. Yeah, Duane does a great job, I think, at helping us understand that, that love is an action and not a word. He talks about putting it on mm-hmm. like clothing. You wear the love. You don't just say, I love you, jerk. <laughs> you act it. He has a great phrase. They don't just hold the story. They are the story. We're not, we don't just say love. We are love. We act in love. So yeah, I would using that, I would love to hear what you said. How do you listeners see us acting in love? How do you see us putting on the clothing of love and compassion and humility and doing that with each other? Well, and I think that Hope, who chose this passage for one of us to preach from, these words were very personal to her. And mm-hmm. Duane, in his opening remarks, said that, you know, Hope talks about her Bible. She actually, I think this is such a cool practice, you know, writing down the date of when you've studied a particular passage. And she I've had never three... heard of that before. I, I, I love like the that. Idea. And she had at least three dates next to this passage and also understood that she's read it a lot more often. Again, so taking it personally. I think that when we, as a Christian community, hear the words, love one another, we perhaps sort of shut down a bit because it's too big and we don't understand it. And we put it out in that big, like meta way, you know, that we're supposed to love, but how, what does that look like? I'm constantly challenging sermons about love because I want to hear what does it look like? What does that mean? How do we do it? I want the how to's. It seems like we never quite get to the how, except that this passage tells us how. Yeah. It's very specific. Act this way, be compassionate, have patience, be humble. And humility is just a lost art, I think. I don't know. I'm the most humble person in the world. (laughs) I'm the best at being humble. So I think it's great. (laughs) Indeed, Seth. Indeed you are. Anyway, I think this is a directive that if we could take personally, that is what I'm left with as I think about what Duane was saying on Sunday. And as I've read his words and I heard them twice, how do we do this? How do we practice this right here at Plymouth? What would you say? And maybe sermons, as we've talked about before, are not always prescriptive, but they're often introducing concepts or questions into our minds that we are to answer ourselves. Mm -hmm. So how would you answer that question? You know, I think a lot of it boils down to kindness. I woke up this morning. I don't know if this happens to you, Seth, but I often do wake wake up up most mornings. (laughs) But I wake up with a song in my head or a song in my heart or something. Uh Sometimes I have no idea how it 
got there. But this morning, the song was just a phrase from a Bette Midler song, or she sings it. I'm sure other people have too, but human kindness is overflowing and I think it's going to rain today. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, just that kindness piece. I know that we are frustrated with the restrictions the pandemic has placed on us. I know that there are people in our community who are frustrated. We are not back in the sanctuary yet, although that's coming November 7th, very close, my friends. I know that people are feeling anxious and some people are feeling isolated and some have been very disappointed with how the church and the clergy have reached out to them or not. And there are people who are holding on to past hurts at Plymouth, to conflicts that we thought we had worked through and found resolution, but they linger. And it just doesn't bring out the best in us sometimes. So you have witnessed our community not acting in kindness. I have. have, Yeah, I have. I have uh, been on the end of unkind things said and done. I have Uh heard others say unkind things about each other. I've heard a lot of criticism. That's also paired with people who reach out with really affirming messages and who are doing some amazing things within our building and beyond on behalf of Plymouth Church that are truly transformative. But sometimes the unkindness wears me down, Seth. Like, and I just, I'm with you. And so maybe we need to like put these words, print them out, put them on our mirrors. I don't know, make a mural somewhere in this building. Let's live into these words because I don't think we can go wrong. I just don't think we can go wrong if we I know really we, tried to heed this message. I know we have a covenant, but this would be a great covenant. Mm, indeed. That we all agree to this. Not that we'll get it perfectly every time, but when we don't, we can come back to it, that this is a, so central. Right. Um, none of this is easy. So as much as we say this is essential, we know that it's not easy to do and we will make mistakes. And as Dwayne says, it's a gamble. He talks, we must gamble with love. We must mm. put it on. And because there is, there's risk involved, there's, it's complicated. There's, right. It can hurt. And maybe it's this phrase, bear with one another, bear with. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. You know, to me, those are the tenets of community is that we tend and care and forgive. So while Duane often brings his sermons back to love, I know that one of my great themes is our commission to tend and care for one another. To me, this is it. This is what spiritual community is, to bear with one another, using compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience as our clothing. And that is love. That's love. It's interesting that you say that. And then my, I think the thing that I come back to a lot is you all are capable you can do this you and it's your responsibility and important that you do mm-hmm. whatever the thing is caring for loving mm-hmm. so the th- three of our things really bind together really well indeed they do in your last sermon you also are what you're good at in your sermons is declaring how you will be involved in whatever you're preaching so in your last mm-hmm. sermon you put it out there i'm going to love you even when it's hard to do you yeah. said that from the pulpit to anybody who's listening I'm going to love you even when I don't like what you're doing, when I don't agree with you. I'm going to love you. 
And I thought it was interesting as we were talking about this recording today, you said you heard a lot about that sermon, about the kind of breakdown of the Lord's Prayer, but nobody really commented on those declarations, framing that in that covenant. No, one person did respond with a lot of questions of sort of, do I do it begrudgingly? Mm. Do I do it out of obligation? And then there's lots of good questions. What if the disagreement turns violent? Mm. Good questions. But you well, know, for the most we, part, the, the response was not about that. And I think we like to argue against love all the time, right? Isn't that what we are prone to do? Well, how do I love somebody I don't really like? Or how do, how do I love? I mean, look at what's going on over there. I don't love that. I mean, yeah. so we make cases against love all the time. How about we stop doing that? And we and conflate just, love and like. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter threw a gigantic tantrum last night. Like mm. one of those, just haven't seen this in a while. Long, just can, like in waves. Surprising. I did not like it. I did not like it at all. It was very frustrating. I was trying not to be angry and make it worse, but I loved her the whole time. Mm. Right. And we continue to love people in their unkindness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we continue to love and to strive uh, to be beloved community. I know that is what the heart of Plymouth is and the mission of Plymouth. Just sometimes it flows a little easier than others. To end with Dwayne's words, we do this together. And if we remember only one thing, it's love. Amen. Love always wins. Love always wins. All right, friends. Be well. And until next time.